Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rock Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rock bondage. Rock bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our Fat Life page, Rock Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We're rope partners, we've been practicing together for a few years. We're excited to share our passion for rope with you from our home in beautiful Thailand. And today we're very excited to have an interview with rigger Jake Wing. So Jake's been in the scene for many years and ran a bondage website in the early days of the internet in 2000 with his wife. He's taught at a number of venues, including Ropecraft, and is one of the team who run the Austin Rope Slingers in Texas. We wanted to talk to him about his view on the changing nature of the rope bondage scene and its place in the wider BDSM community, the influences he's seen come and go, and the Austin rope scene, which is fairly mature, certainly from uh, Thailand's perspective, and his most memorable experiences with rope. Welcome, Jake, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. So, Jake, you've been in the scene for a while now. Uh, how and where did it start for you, and when did rope first appear in your kink? A rope appeared in my kink uh, at the beginning, uh, pretty much at puberty. Uh, that is what excited me. Um, other people were looking at, uh, you know, Playboy, and I was looking at detective magazine covers. But uh, in the 80s, you know, I kind of started uh, tying up partners um, and uh, did a lot of that uh, throughout the, the rest of the 20th century. And um, really, I wasn't very good at it back then. Um, there weren't any resources to learn, so I pretty much did uh, trial and error. Um, with a lot of error. Uh, in the beginning of the century, I uh, joined the scene. I uh, got on the internet uh, and was active here in the Austin scene as well. And so, how how did that actually develop? So, in terms of your um, your rope kink, like where did it fit in the rest of your kinks? At the beginning, at the very <laughs> at the top. Uh, I say that uh, the bondage is more my kink, um, mm. and rope is just an excellent tool for that. Uh, uh, but then uh, it really, I started getting into the artistic aspect of rope. Um, I enjoyed that uh, as well as just the, I don't know, the sexual uh, arousal that I got from rope. Um, I find now that it's it's two different things, uh, bedroom rope and, and like performance ropes, really more than two things. There's performance rope, there's friendly rope, there's uh, connective rope, uh, you know, and it really depends on the, the level of intimacy with the partner that I'm, that I'm tying. Okay, and, and so that brings me to dark rope, which is something I've read about on your um, FetLife page um, and fascinates me. And that you said that's one of the reasons you started tying up women. So can you can you tell us a bit about that? Well, I guess I call it that uh, because it comes from dark desires. You know, it comes from from things that that are not socially acceptable. Uh, uh, it's uh, kind of primal, kind of uh, I guess. I want to do things that most people wouldn't allow. And when I find somebody that does allow it, that's pretty wonderful. Well, I think we're probably quite into uh, what Fox calls primal rope. So I yeah. guess maybe yeah. there's some echoes of that within within that. 
Yes. So, so Jake, what would primal rope mean to you? Um, I guess it's uh, it's consensual non-consent has a lot to do with it. Uh, uh, some manhandling and such as that uh, to to you know own someone to 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 do what you wish to them. Um, of course, all of that has to be negotiated beforehand and and consent. Uh, but it's once you receive that, it's it's kind of wonderful. And it's interesting um, you you make that distinction between the more connective rope and dark rope because obviously you you can have a type of a very strong type of connection through dark rope. But it feels like the scene today, and we can talk a bit more about this in a minute. The scene today is much there's a it's a, an entry point for people coming into kink rope right now, and so it's not necessarily for a lot of people tied tied up with um, uh, that kind of other more kind of primal side. I think that's maybe less common right now. I don't know mm. what you guys think. I think I think you may be right about that. Mm. Yeah, it does seem like people learn some simple ties, but not necessarily a lot of intent behind them at first. And it's more like, let's get together with a bunch of friends and learn how to do a chest harness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas perhaps for some people it's more, uh, uh, like for me, I want to be tied up and have bad things done to me. And the the bondage, as you say, rope is a kink for me for sure, but as, as part of bondage and being restrained rather than rope. You're so kinky, Maya. I know. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Uh, Jake, you mentioned not having a lot of resources to learn from at first. So how did you build your knowledge of rope bondage in that context? Well, back in the 80s and the 90s, uh, there were, there was some, there was rope porn. Mm -hmm. um, But it was, uh, it was like magazines uh, and movies. um, And you had to go to like, in the United States anyway, you had to go to, uh, um, some pretty seedy little stores and, and search through all the vanilla porn uh, or the, the strange other fetish porn and to find the, the bondage porn that you were looking for. And so much of that, I, I, when I actually started tying partners, I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie this thing I saw in a magazine. And what I quick, quickly realized is that a lot of the stuff that I saw in the magazines was not very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was – now, it, some of it was very good. Um, also, I started to to kind of become a, a historian of it. To, um, I mean, Irving Claw, Betty Page, John Willie, and, and people that uh, were doing things in the 40s and the 50s and um, the 60s uh, – John Savage, I don't know if I mentioned him, but uh, uh, that was all cool stuff. And and then the stuff that was current then, a lot of it is uh, is like history now. It's like uh, many of the th- people who worked for uh, House of Milan uh, or uh, Linden Distributors or Harmony back then mm. uh, is some cool stuff or was doing some cool stuff back then. So did you have to re-engineer tires like yourself? So you look saw a tire and work out, okay, how did they do that, and then kind of make up your own version? Yes, uh, very much so. I I remember, 
yeah, I would tr pretty much trying to reverse engineer a bunch of things that I saw uh, and failing sometimes, often. Um, it wasn't until like uh, 2002, I think, um, I went to a, a class here in Austin that Midori was teaching. And um, reverse tension had been just eluding me. I, I could not figure it out because all I could see of it was pictures of it already completed. Oh. And I and I never saw anybody actually do it. And I watched Midori do it, and it was like a light bulb in my head. And um, like from then, I'd been doing pretty much Western stuff for most of the 20th century. Um, but then I just like Eastern was everything for a while. Okay, so that so that brings me to the next question, which is the the influences that you've absorbed. So you've been been obviously exposed to lots of different styles, and you even mentioned Chinese bondage in your writing. So tell us about those different um, uh, influences. I'm going to mention a non uh, non rope influence first. Uh, uh, Bruce Lee is, is is kind of an idol of mine, and um, he talks about in his uh, in his book uh, the Tao Te Ching Do talks about you need to learn as many styles as you can from every situation, and he's talking about martial arts, of course. Um, which uh, in rope, I'm, I've tried to emulate that. Um, I don't know if I pulled it off, but I started Western. And then just like obsessed about Eastern for a few years. And then I started branching out. I saw the Chinese five flowers stuff. Um, some of the, some of that was intriguing. Um, very difficult to get for me at least to get, uh, you know, any kind of anything other than internet bondage porn on that. But, uh, I don't, I don't know much about or anything really about Chinese bondage. Can you tell us a bit what, what that is? Well, uh, what I've seen, um, again, I'm, I'm not any expert on it, but uh, uh, there's something called five flowers. It involves uh, uh, single-line arm wraps. It may or may not uh, start with neck rope. You go uh, like a spiral arm wrap down each arm and then gather your two ropes together, tie the wrists together, and, and bring them up pretty high in the back and tie them off to uh, a rope that goes in front of the neck or the back of the neck, depending on how extreme you want to be. Um, and then also there's uh, a lot of the rope that I see there is uh, derivative of uh, Japanese stuff. Um but also they seem to – there's a torture tie that they like to do, and it, just, it doesn't actually appeal to me very much. They call it a tiger bench. Uh, put a – tie a person to a post while they're seated on a bench. Uh, so the post and the bench make an L and then uh, have their legs on the bench and put – a like a brick or something under their heels and under their feet and then tie their knees down hard so that it puts pressure on the knees in the wrong direction. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this rope podcast and sharing it with you. Sadly, hosting a podcast isn't free. Far from it, actually. 
So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope stuff so that we get a cut from your purchases and also ways to donate to us directly. And if you can't afford to do that, that's okay too. Just enjoy the podcast. Now back to our normal programming. All right, so you mentioned doing Western style for most of the 20th century and then uh, branching mm -hmm. out. And in Thailand, for example, we have strong influences both from Western and also Japanese styles. So from your perspective, how do you think the Eastern and Western scenes have mixed in the wider rope community today? There can be some misunderstanding when you talk about Western rope. Uh, I think that uh, when I talk about it, I'm talking about the uh, almost a damsel in distress style that comes out of Hollywood, mm -hmm. um, but also uh, from influences like Betty Page and, and uh, John Willie. And then in the latter part of the century, uh, some of the best Western riggers. Uh, he, uh, you can't talk about Western without talking about Lou Rubens, uh, who's uh, yeah. excellent. Um, but some people, when they hear Western bondage, they're actually thinking of Western versions of Shibari. Mm. And uh, so really, if you're going to talk about Western and Eastern, you have to define your terms before you can start the conversation. I think that five years ago, it was difficult to see anything in the rope scene but Shibari. Um, I think that is less true now. I think that people are are fusing uh they're 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 doing what bruce lee wanted to do you know they're ga gathering information from from all over and creating their own style so where do you think the um most interesting people or who do you think the most interesting people are who are fusing those and creating a new and different style uh some of the people that um that influenced me uh, were like uh, like I said, uh, Lou Rubens was one. Um, I was always impressed with Lokai. Um, there's a guy, he's a rope maker, who's an uh, excellent uh, uh, rope top as well. Moko is very cool. Um, more recently, uh, some of the people, um, well, I'm very impressed. I, I feel kind of proud of this uh, there's there's a lady here in Austin who I feel like um, has just really taken uh, everything and done very well with it uh, Lexa Grace and I'm, I'm proud of that because uh, I was kind of the one that showed her the very beginning although she pretty much um, sped past me pretty quickly okay um, yeah and how, how have you seen um, the rope scene itself develop and mature? So what's changed most since you, you started in the 80s? In the 80s, as far as I knew, there was no rope scene. It was all, uh, there was some stuff on the East Coast and the West Coast. I was in Oklahoma, um, as far as I knew. Uh, I spent most of my time, if I was going to tie someone up, I had to convince a vanilla girl. <laughs> to give it a try uh, and so I think the internet is has been an amazing uh, tool to bring people of various interests together uh, 
And so, you know, 20 years later, uh, after the Internet has started, it's just, it's like everyone uses it as a tool. And the things that I struggled with are, you can now find YouTube videos uh, of how to do those things. Um, but also it allows us to communicate some of the, some of the really important stuff that's going on. Uh, I think in the rope scene uh, worldwide, um, there's been a lot of a lot of change in trying to pull people together, uh, trying to um, make it more accessible for all kinds of people, all uh, body shapes, all uh, ethnicities. Uh, Every gender, whatever whatever gender that they happen to be, um, and I love the work that has been doing has been done uh, in the last few years in the realm of consent. Uh, there's uh, there's a lot of people working towards really uh, trying to figure this stuff out. Uh, I think the next thing that needs to be figured out is uh, redemption. Um, mm. We have we have kicked a lot of people out, um, and rightfully so. But do they all deserve to be out forever? I don't know. I, I am a strong believer that people can change. Um, I also believe that some things are unforgivable. Um, but not all things. Uh, we definitely need to come up with a way to reintegrate uh, people who have been ostracized, ba banished from the scene. Mm. Mm, okay. Um, and we talked a bit earlier about rope being a bit of an entry point for some people into BDSM. How, how do you see ropes... Um, place in the wider BDSM community? How's that changed and grown? Well, I remember when I first got into the scene here in Austin in the early part of the century, I would go to parties um, and I would be the only person doing rope. Um, I would tie people and everybody else is standing around St. Andrew's Crosses getting clogged. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I, not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, I like a little more variety. And um, I think that depending on where you are, uh, rope has definitely uh, muscled its way into the BDSM community. Sometimes it's it's kind of a, a uneasy truce uh, between mainstream BDSMers and, and rope people. Uh, other times they're they're all just happily swimming together. Okay, fascinating. What's the uneasy truce? What does that look like? You get rope people that are um, kind of anti-leather, I think, um, and you get leather people that look down on rope people. I think uh, I, I don't I don't think that's the only situation, but uh, um, I think there are people in both communities that look down on, on the, the other. Um, but there are, uh, for every one of those, there's 10 that that dig the fact that we're all kinky. And 
we all should have each other's back. So speaking more specifically about the uh, Austin rope scene, which uh, Maya visited a couple of years ago, and she had the chance to uh, meet you and tie with you, which I remember she loved a lot. Um, so what does that rope scene in Austin look like today? Like, What kind of events do you have? What are the communities around rope like? Well, uh, I am... I am very proud of the Austin rope scene. We have a practice almost every night. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, my group, Austin Rope Singers, has a, a practice every Monday night. Um, and there are two other open practices on a Wednesday and Thursday night um, that are open to, to everyone, although the Thursday uh, practice is, is uh, geared more towards experienced ropers. Um but there are also things like hitching bitches. Um, there's a bottoms group, bottoms only group. Uh, there's uh, recently there's a group that started that's uh, men tying men. Um, and so all of these are available to uh, uh, to learn um, and to to meet people and to to play. Um, there's also we have uh, rope centric uh, play parties. Um, we have been doing. Uh, an unconference. Uh, Austin Rump Singers has done an unconference twice now. We're planning to do a third. Um, also, uh, Ropecraft is uh, coming back. Uh, uh, it started here in 2016. It uh, it came back to Austin in 2018, and and first weekend in October here in Austin is Ropecraft again. That's some awesome diversity you have. We're very, uh, we're very jealous. Oh, you're very jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so you teach a bit um, at events in your local scene, um, and obviously you're running one of the um, rope events. Um, so what do you think most new riggers um, would benefit from paying more attention to? Uh, well, I have two answers for that. Uh, first is their bottom. Yes, um, okay. <laughs> a lot of a lot of riggers spend a lot of time. I mean, new riggers spend a lot of time trying to figure out that knot or or untangle that the way that the rope went because they're they're not handling it well. Uh, I mean, rope just does that sometimes. But uh, um, pay attention to the person who's being so patient with you while you're figuring this out. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that I want want them to pay attention to is their own ego. Um, there's something called the Dunning-Kruger effect. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, it's where people uh, people who know nothing know that they know nothing. People that know a little bit about something think that they know more than they do. And in a lot of situations, that doesn't matter. But when you have the safety of someone uh, that you care about, you know, it, when you're responsible for that, make sure that your own ignorant self-confidence doesn't injure them. Okay, mm. that is that is honestly a lovely lesson. Yeah. Um, so, Jake, as opposed to teaching, when you do rope for your own enjoyment, what what rope do you enjoy doing the most, and how do you decide what kind of scene you're going to do when you play with a new partner? I enjoy a lot of different kinds of rope, uh, and so uh, 
what I do with an intimate partner is, especially in private, uh, is usually very, I mean, very primal, very um, sensual, uh, and there's pain and uh, orgasms involved. Um, in public, I'm more likely to try to do some uh, some good uh, Eastern style uh, uh, suspensions and such, or or lately I've been enjoying uh, decorative objectification. Like uh, if we're at a big, uh, there's a, a local party here that's uh, for the greater BDSM community, um, and it's in a big bar, and probably like, you know, 300, 400 people show up. And wow. so for that, I enjoy uh, like tying someone to a, uh, especially if they're dressed to the nines, tying someone to a rail somewhere mm. and just stepping away and let them mm. them stand there and be admired. Uh, I never s- step very far. They can always, you know, gather me, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't appear that we're doing a scene there. Yeah. Uh, Over here, we call that doing a rope sculpture, and I find that so fun yes. as a concept. A rope sculpture. I, yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, as far as tying a, a brand new person, um, I don't. I don't want to scare them away. <laughs> I also don't want to bore them. So it's usually uh, there's some negotiation involved, but I I almost never go for um, a suspension uh, with a first time uh, person. Uh, and um, but I do try to make it, you know, tight and good. It's not. It's not. They're not really getting the the full experience if they're not. Uh, if it's not good rope. You're not gonna do pretend rope, even if the person's a newbie. You're gonna give them something real. Correct. Hmm. Okay. Well, Jake, it was absolutely lovely to uh, talk to you today, and that will be <laughs> all from us at the Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from, at iTunes or Stitcher and so on, and come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast, one word, no space. You can also find us easily at ropepodcast.com. Uh, please consider supporting us on Patreon so we can produce many new episodes like this one. Uh, we also love questions from our listeners, so drop us a message on FET and we'll try to answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.